You, we can edit. Um, so no, no worries. Uh, can't. I don't like to. Yeah, we don't like to. Edit. <laughs> it makes your job harder. It makes huh? your job a lot harder. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try to do my best here, but I am an engineer, not a movie star here. Well. <laughs> Hey everyone, last week we recorded the Kentucky Derby Museum's Legend Series, featuring the Hendersons of Angel's Envy, and there's still two more to go. They're gonna be featuring the Nose of Jim Beam and the Colesveens of Willet Distillery. To get tickets, make sure you go to derbymuseum.org and look for the Legend Series. We added a coupon code called BP50. You can try it, I can't guarantee it's gonna work anymore to get a discount on those tickets. This week, we gave away some Kentucky bourbon barrel aged soy sauce and some bourbon aged spice tins to our Patreon supporters from the great folks over at Bourbon Barrel Foods. Check out their website and remember to eat your bourbon. This week was also the release of Neat the Movie. A lot of people on this movie have been past guests on our podcast featuring Marianne Barnes as well as Freddie Johnson of Buffalo Trace. So you can go to thebourbonmovie.com and look and be able to stream it on iTunes as well as Amazon. This episode is one that many of you have been begging for. We finally touch on rickhouses, rackhouses, barrel house, whatever you want to call it, construction. This guest family is known for making essentially every rickhouse Kentucky bourbon is stored in with their unique design. He also gives us some information on why their design results in a better product compared to other producers who store their barrels on pallets. It's really a lot of great information and I guarantee you're gonna love this podcast. Remember, if you wanna get the, these podcasts beamed to your inbox every single time it's released, go ahead, go to our website, bourbonpursuit.com and subscribe on our email newsletter and our listserv and you can get those immediately in your inbox as soon as they are released. Also make sure that you are subscribing to us on iTunes, write those iTunes reviews, go to YouTube, Make sure you're following us on YouTube, subscribe to YouTube, and also leave comments on YouTube. And as always, you can always listen and watch us on Facebook. With that, enjoy this week's episode. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. And they're off for another Give 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, 
warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to NoseYourBourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. Welcome back to the episode of the Bourbon Pursuit Podcast, the official podcast of bourbon. Today, Ryan and I are trekking our way out to Bardstown. Uh, you know, at, where are you from again, Ryan? Uh, Bardstown. Bardstown, that's I'll right. I'll let everybody know that consistently <laughs> uh, to a fault. Yeah, so everybody everybody knows that Ryan's from- Just proud. Yeah, everybody's, everybody knows that Ryan's from Bardstown, but this is, uh, this is one of the episodes that, you know, we had on our radar for uh, quite a while, and then we kept on getting- you know, we asked people for a while, they said, you know, I, what, what ideas, like, what kind of things do you still want to know and learn about uh, with inside the bourbon realm? We've had on master distillers, brand ambassadors, bloggers, authors, I mean, you name it. But this time we're actually venturing out to something new because it's a completely new topic that is still very, very much bourbon related, but it is, uh, I don't know. Bourbon. It's not, <laughs> it is not bourbon, but it is, it is a, a very crucial part of the process. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you came to Kentucky and you see the the warehouses that and rickhouses where the bourbon stored, there's a ninety percent chance that it, probably even higher than that 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 is made by you know the music family and the Blinkos. Um, it's it's kind of cool the, the whole story. I can't wait to talk to Donald about, but how it kind of started and how it become and with the boom, you know, with all the, the warehouses popping up everywhere. So we've been getting a lot of interest. I think it's going to be a fascinating show because I have. To be honest, I don't know anything about rickhouses or <laughs> warehouses, and neither do I. I why, mean, why the design works? Why not just put them in a you know a concrete building and yeah, and just like leave them there? Yeah, I know, and I, we're going to get all those answers because it, it was funny. You know, I I try to do a little bit of research for every show and try to figure out the right questions to ask, and and this was this was one where I'm like I I'm dumb in the subject. I, I yeah. have no idea what to ask, and it's it's great because you can. You can drive by all the roads, you can see all the rick houses, but you don't you don't know why, right? And yep. I think today's gonna be a, a, a good explanation of the why of 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 pretty much what you know why they're there and how they're how they're designed and all that good stuff. So today on the show, we have Donald Blinko. Donald is the president of music construction here in Bardstown, Kentucky. So Donald, welcome. Well, thank you. Yep. I'm glad to be here. So you know, at first, let's go ahead and just give an overview of the company. Um, you know, what what is Music Construction? Um, you know, what do you guys get in your hands into? Stuff like that. Well, Music Construction's uh, based out of Barstown, Kentucky. Like, yep. we're, oh, yeah. we're proud to be best, here too. Best town ever. <laughs> That's right, bourbon capital of the world. Um, well, my great grandfather started Music Construction back in 1937, right after Prohibition. 
story I've heard uh, who's helping Heaven Hill move a lot of distillery equipment, I guess, right when they got started. So, And we're still working with Heaven Hill today. They've been a great client. Uh, but he started that, and it kind of snowballed into, well, can you like pour foundations for equipment? And just kind of snowballed into a, um, a construction company. And if you're doing a lot of construction around distilleries, you're going to start doing warehousing. So there's a lot of rickhouses and different kind of warehousing around the state. And, you know, Busick... We do more than just what distillery. What time period was that? I guess about your great-grandfather. That was 1937 when it okay. started. So we're in our 80th year, I guess, this year. So after Prohibition, okay. Right after Prohibition, yes, sir. Gotcha. Yeah. So good. keep keep calling what you're, you're saying there. So you— uh, Well, we do more than just uh, uh, rickhouses. I mean, we've got, you know, um, we've got a lot of good means and methods to build them— you know, well, uh, cost effectively, but we also, uh, we've got like four engineers in house. We've got we're almost up to 250 employees. Plus we're working a lot of, uh, like temp labor. So we're working like 350 people. So this wow. bourbon industry is booming right now. And we're trying to keep up with uh, schedule and, you know, um, keep everybody happy. We worked with the same clients, almost all the distilleries around here for years. So, uh, our goals to keep them happy. But again, we, we do more than just distilleries too. I mean, we've built banks, churches, uh, you know, we've, uh, you, you know, any churches, commercial yeah, any yeah. commercial building, factories. So I always kind of joke, you know, we build buildings for people to drink and then churches for people to go. It's full circle, right? Yeah. 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 Circle of life. <laughs> it is. So, and it's a family business. I mean, my sister's in the office here. My brother is out in the field. My father's been involved in it from the get-go. Um, he actually married uh, uh, my mother, who's, it's her family's the music name. And that's, you know, we're, uh, I'm a Blinko. But, um, yeah, it's been you know, knock on wood. We've been busy here lately, so trying, <laughs> yeah. trying to work hard. No, that's good. And so let's kind of – let's roll back the the past of history. So your great-grandfather, that's when he kind of had a relationship with Heaven Hill. But, you know, the idea of, of you know, the focus of this story and uh, this podcast is really around the Rick House itself. Mm-hmm. So what were people – how were they storing barrels of, of bourbon? I mean, because, you know, we, there was bourbon and whiskey around before Prohibition, right? So was there was there an idea of a Rick House back then or was it just – storage and a warehouse like what what was the and by the way first off we need to say this do you say rick house or rack house because i've heard it like 10 different <laughs> I've, ways i've said both kinds i mean i i've my personal i usually think of like an individual rick where the barrel's going in but i call the whole house the rack house but that's just me it, you can call it whatever you want to it's kind of like bourbon you know take <laughs> yeah. it however way you like it so. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> okay so now we got that out of the way so let's uh, so your great-grandfather uh Heaven Hill had this relationship, but how are people were how are they storing barrels before this? You know, I know all the history like everyone else. It first started going down the uh, Ohio River and stuff like that. Now, when the first rick houses or warehouses got built, I can't. You know, they've been making bourbon since the uh, late seventeen hundreds. I do know that there are rick houses that have been uh, that are still standing today. I believe. They were like kind of built like in the late 1800s. So I mean, they've been building rick houses and storing them this way for for many years. Now, um, from the construction side, and they used to be difficult to build. When you get up tall, I mean, my father he used to actually be out in the grounds and build them, and he, you'd have to pack up the lumber, you know, by hand. Almost, you know, you can imagine people almost building the pyramids. I mean, it was <laughs> difficult work. You know, they did finally start developing some stuff from like. Um, Oh, conveyors and things to where you would get the wood up there, but it, it, it was very difficult. And um, there for a while, I guess back in the 80s, bourbon kind of died down. They weren't building rick houses. And then when it came back, I think we built our first one 
um, in the case I'd call it the modern era in 91. And my father and uh, I think it was Bailey Presgrove, one of my longtime employees, kind of started coming up with better ways to build these, be more efficient. You know, safety's gotten to be such a big thing back in the day. You know, safety OSHA maybe wasn't around or whatever. But so we've developed different means and methods to do that. But I guess to answer your question, I think they've been doing rickhouses for quite a while. Now, there are other style houses they do today, uh, pallet houses you'll see. And you also see sometimes where they'll just roll the barrels on a concrete floor and lay like dunnage on it and put the barrels on top of that. But um, there's a reason around here a lot of times people build the rickhouses. There's different things that they offer. So I think yeah. we, I think that's probably our good subject to jump into. So what is what is it about a, a music-constructed rickhouse that, that offers something? And, and by the way, I think you also need to uh, preface this with you know, how entrenched you are into the, the market itself, right? Because a lot of people, you know, they, they might think of Rick houses, but they don't know that uh, pretty much everything here in Bardstown is, is from you, which is pretty much all the big guys. You <laughs> or guys anywhere are, else. Yeah, you guys are building around the country too. So how entrenched are you in the market? Well, we've worked with almost every major distiller in the state um, in one capacity or another. I mean, we're doing projects constantly, and excuse me if I leave any out, but I mean, <laughs> you know, I mentioned Heaven Hill already. We're working for Beam Suntory. Uh, Maker's Mark's a part of them. Um, Wild Turkey, we do work with them. We did used to do a lot of work for Jack Daniels back when I was a you know, little cruncher. You know, we were like two years old. We were down there all the time for several years. Um we work for uh, Buffalo Trace, uh, Four Roses. Um, we're, we just designed, built a whole distillery for Barstown Bourbon Company and finishing one up for uh, Luxro Distillery. Um, we've done some stuff for other distillers around, you know, I guess our name, we've gotten known for this. So we went down to like Texas and did some work for F&R Distillery and Balcones. We've been up to New York for Black Dirt. I'm trying to think. I'm sure there's other people we've worked for. We've, we we uh, worked for Brown Foreman again down at uh, Woodford Reserve Distillery. We kind of went down there when it was just a dilapidated place <laughs> and rebuilt that. Um, I'm trying to think. I hate if I've left somebody out here, but you kind of caught me on the spot. We Basically, we do work for most of the distilleries. And it's we are kind of, I guess, known for the rickhouses because, we again, we've developed, we can get into that, some a patented way to do this that makes it safer and better and more cost effective. But we, you know, I've got engineers here. We we got, being around the industry, we've met the right people that know how to do bourbon. I think that's one reason bourbon is big in Kentucky is people know how to make bourbon. And so we found out who's good at it and we've developed teams to go do design build projects for the whole process. So, yeah, and you know, I, I like to think we got a lot of good people um, and we try to do what we say and try to uh, value engineer things to be cost competitive. And uh, I like to think that's why our clients like to come back to us. Now you named just every pretty much major still, like you <laughs> yeah. said, like why is there no competition? Is it just like, it's such a pain in the ass and you all have figured it out so well, or like, why isn't somebody spun off and be like, well, we're going to compete against those guys. Well, probably the main thing is my father and uh, Bailey Prescove, I mentioned, they, uh, when we first got to building this, they've developed uh, what we call our jig. And we've got a patent on that. You know, kudos to my father for having the foresight to do that. Um, and basically, when we build our ricks, we're able to build them on the ground. And you build them, you know, uh, actually, well, you told me not to point anything. we got the jig <laughs> right up there. I can show you sometime. But um, so we build it there. And you, you put your what they call the dunnage, which is the, the kind of the horizontal member that the actual barrel ro- runs on. We kind of put all that on one uh 
on the jig there and we put our bolts through and then we actually put a crane. Hey, we've gone to tower cranes now. You might have seen them mm-hmm. driving around and you pick and you just put the ricks up there. I mean, my guys, you know, they they get after it sometimes. They put like 100 ricks up in a day. Um, so it's just, you know, from the cost competitive standpoint of that and not only that, but the quality control because, you know, they're building these rick houses big now and you get up seven stories of this and if you get that thing a little off, <laughs> yeah, time you're up and then, you know, they're putting like Almost, uh, I guess the biggest ones we're building now are about 58,800 barrels per house. And they're about 550 pounds of barrels. So there's a lot of weight. And, you you know, just from the structural side of if you start getting off, you're going to have problems. So you yeah. got to keep quality control on it. And our jig allows us to do that. So be a bad um, case of Jenga. Yeah, you know, it, <laughs> it would be a, you, know, you, you see these, it kind of looks like Jenga. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, quite frankly, um, you know, in construction, people are used to, the normal means and methods is to bid stuff out. Um, and other people have probably have tried to, to bid these, but, you know, with our means and methods, our uh, labor force that knows what they're doing, we've, uh, every time anyone's ever tried to bid us out on these rickhouses, we've, we've beat them every time. So mm-hmm. it amazes me how, like, like you said, you got four going and I think four on with Heaven Hill on Bardstown Road. And I drive that and it like, seems like every time I pass like in a month, one is complete. And I'm like, how's that possible? <laughs> like these, you see, you know, what you say, there's 60,000 barrels in there. Almost, like, yeah. I'm just amazed at how fast that they popped up or whatever. Well, it's, you know, a lot of that goes to uh, my labor force. They are excellent at what they do. I got a lot of great superintendents and, uh, you know, other managers on the site. Our labors are good. It also goes, you know, to our equipment. You know, today's means of construction is a lot different than when we're talking about those older style warehouses. We've got a lot of equipment on these job sites. To so say your great granddad, yeah. did he just have a nail and a hammer and just start wanting town or something? Or? That's probably what they did. I mean, you can imagine their forearms from beating all those nails. <laughs> now we get big air compressors like boom, boom, boom. You know, you shoot it. So it's completely different. Um, and that's probably another reason it, it you know, there'd be a a cost of getting in to compete with us is we have a lot of investment in equipment and whatnot to be yeah. able to build these uh, efficiently. So, so talk about a little bit, you know, you'd mentioned a, a little bit, you know, you went pretty fast there a little bit about the design of the Rick. Um, and, and like, what advantages does that actually give to the barrel in itself? And, and actually who, who kind of thought of that yeah. as, as the, as the way that this should be, you know, how do you store the barrel? Because they, don't be wrong. Like, it could have just been dumb luck because you hear all kinds of people that are tourists and they're like, oh, it's just because they have just just this much distance is separated that allows the air to flow through and do this. And, you know, it could just be whatever. But talk about that, like the design of the Rick and if it actually does have an effect of the barrel and who thought of that? Well, I'm sure I'm just going back again. When bourbon started around the 1700s, they were probably storing barrels in Scotland much before that. I mean, barrels roll. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and they're designed to lay on their edge and, and roll. So um, that they want, so I'm sure someone wanted to design a way to store the barrel that way. So we, we, what we do is we'll have like a floor has three barrels high. So we call our, have our dunnage on there and we design them with, you know, we went, Buzik has been around distilleries forever. So we've went in all these old warehouses. Now, several warehouses throughout the years have fallen. Yeah. You know, if you get, if you let water get in there, you don't maintain um, the, you know, do your maintenance on it. Or if you don't design the warehouse with enough bracing and whatnot, um, you know, they'll, they'll start leaning. Like we install plumb bobs in all the warehouses because they're kind of like a ship. Again, you can have much weights in there. If you put it all in one corner, like on a ship, that ship's going to sink. Well, the warehouse, if you put all your weight in one corner, it's going to kind of, it's going to want to fail. Um, so, you know, 
the distillery is supposed to, you know, they check their plumb bobs to make sure that they're not, you know, they're kind of like a living animal. I know my, one of my main superintendents uh, that builds these, he calls it like a, a Jerry Rogers. He says it's like a living animal. He goes out there and wood grows and shrinks and moves and stuff. So you got to know how to do that. It's funny you say mm-hmm. that because I, I now remember actually going in and seeing like, yeah, that weight basically like dangling mm-hmm. and kind of figuring out like, what is, what is that for right now? Now, now it's all clicking yeah, together. Makes sense. Yeah. It's, you know, and I, you know, I don't know if all the distillers, everybody's so busy now, if they really, and everybody got so many, if they check those, like they're like, they probably should, but that is what they're for. It should be an add-on service to, for you. To do you know, that. Come inspect well, them. <laughs> somebody needs to do it most likely, but as long as you're these distillers, they know how to load these warehouses. It's not uh, it's common sense, basically. But um, but I guess back to your question is, you know, we've went to all the old warehouses and we've seen what works, what doesn't work. Uh, I got a, a chief engineer here, Kevin Aldred, that um, he's kind of went through and ran all the numbers and how much bracing we need, what, you know, and how much tolerance you need for the barrels and that kind of thing. One thing that makes it easy is that, you know, the the barrels are pretty much standardized at um, 53 gallons. Now, several years ago, eh, probably several decades ago, they had smaller barrels. And I think they keep wanting to make these barrels a little bit bigger just for cost effectiveness or whatever. Mm -hmm. And we've built barrels for... um, different companies with bigger size uh, as one company maybe I left off um, oh, the brandy company in Louisville I'm sorry it's uh, it. Kings. yeah we did some work down for them and they wanted to do you know some bigger barrels so we've done things like that but again it just the barrel is designed to be on its end uh, on it or on its build I guess now some people do like pallet uh, warehousing which is a more economical way to store bourbon um, it's basically just a pre-engineered box. Just go pour a slab and build a box. Now, then you, you have to turn them on their end and you have, mm-hmm. build pallets and then they stack them up. Now, a barrel is going to kind of like want to bulge out when it puts a lot of weight. So you'll have more losses that way. Um, you know, I've heard that in those pallet houses, and when I've been in them, you don't I don't know if y'all have been in a rick house. You go mm-hmm. in there and like I've in been the to summer, the top of one and oh. it's like, been top one at Willits and it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> you know, just just from the out. height. Yeah, well, the height, looking all down all the wood, hearing the creaking, cracking. You know, you're just like, all right, hope this holds me. <laughs> but you look around and there's plenty of 53 gallon, you know, barrels or whatever. So you feel oh, a yeah, little bit. It's going to hold, hold you. But uh, my point was going to be, if you ever gone in there, like in the summer or the winter, yeah, the temperature is oh, just yeah. extreme. Yeah, the and, top and the bottom. Yeah. Oh, it's different. You know, and, and I, what I've noticed myself is in a rick house, like the first two floors, it stays more kind of temperate. I would say it's more like a pallet house. It's almost like storing aging bourbon in a in a basement of a house or something. Yeah. Whenever I I used to weed eat for this landscaper when I was in high school and we would weed eat around the Heaven Hill warehouses and you'd get by a window and it was like AC almost it, would blow it, out and you're like, how's that possible? And, you know, yeah. all this cold air would just rush out of there. Well, it's the thermodynamics. I mean, throughout the winter, the whole, the bourbon, you know, will actually, it'll all get to that temperature colder so that when it heats up in the summer, you got all that mass that's got to change. So it just, that's, I guess, what works the magic. I think that's a lot um, underappreciated on bur- what makes bourbon so great in Kentucky, especially with the weather patterns we have, is is the aging um, of it. And, you know, a rickhouse, in my opinion, one thing that makes it great, and a lot of these distillers still want to spend the extra money to build these instead of the pallet houses, just the different quality whiskeys you can get. I mean, you can actually, you can make the same distillate, same mash bill, and store it in like one of the first two floors, or store it in the middle of the house, or store it in the top. 
And even if you store it for the same amount of years, you're going to get a different product. Yeah. And um, so I think that's what, you know, and people are having all these premium things versus the, you know, your typical bourbons. And, you know, what I've heard from different distillers, but some of them believe like the middle of the warehouse is kind of like the center cut, almost like a piece of beef or something. That middle is what you want. (laughs) Some people would prefer like the top part. You know, it's like aging like up in an attic space of a house where it's really getting hot and cold, hot and cold, and probably aging it quicker. Uh, and I've heard that on these rickhouses with the thermodynamics, the bourbon actually ages faster than in a, like a pallet house or even on one of my rickhouses, the first two floors are kind of like that too. They're not going to see the temperature swings, but as you go up, you get a lot more of those temperature swings and that kind of magic kind of happens in the barrel. So, yeah, go ahead, Ryan. Well, I was going to say like you're saying the different levels like, you know, Buffalo Trace or Four, Four Roses is a good example. They only build like what? Five or six. One story, yeah. Yeah, or but one story. Two stories. Two story, two story. okay. Mm-hmm. Two story high versus, you know, the ones Heaven Hills are like, mm-hmm. <laughs> God, 30 stories. I don't know. Why Why do they prefer that versus, you know, the taller? Well, I, I hope I'm not saying anything they don't want me to say, but I've heard <laughs> them say before that they like, their idea is just the evenness of the bourbon. They want more of a consistent aging. Okay. You know, they're not looking to get, I guess, the different products. No, that 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 was their decision, you know, to do that. Um, you know, some of the different distillers are like, you know, my quality stuff, I gotta have this rickhouse because the good stuff comes from the middle or top, and that's what we gotta have for that. So yeah. uh, and I'm not at all saying that um Four Roses is is not as good bourbon, but it's just a different uh different distillers is different opinions on everything, but they're and maybe they age theirs longer in that to get to the same aging profile. Um but so, so but like that's, do distillers come to you and say what do you think's best? Or are they pretty much like, well, this is what we want, you know? Or do you kind of like uh, lean them and kind of like, this is the way you should design this new recouse or some? I mean, we'll give them, I guess, our opinion if they ask. Um, and I'll challenge them sometimes, you know, what's the dunnage length for how many barrels you make and then how do you want to access your barrels and how do you want to move your barrels up and down? We do, you know, material hoist or some people do escalators. And um, so I guess to some point, but everybody's kind of got their opinions. On, on what they like, um, you know, a lot of people think, you know, the Rick houses are, are um, I guess, a little bit more, you have more injuries, people getting their uh, fingers, I guess, crushed by a barrel versus a, a pallet house where you're moving them with forklifts Forklift, and that yeah. kind of thing. So some people, I guess, um, not that people don't want anybody to get hurt, but, um, you know, some people may want to maybe sacrifice the quality of the aging for, for that. So just, everybody's got different um, goals in mind. And, you know, a rickhouse is or just the aging. There's a lot of different ways you can do it. The the time of year, I mean, you always hear wine, like, you know, the vintage 1980, this and that was good. Well, nobody really talks about that with bourbon, but in my opinion, you know, corn's different. The, you know, a barrel put in, especially in a rickhouse where you get the different flavors from, you know, the weather, mm-hmm. you know, you get certain like a hard winter one year, that can really change yeah. the, the profile. And, you know, nobody really discusses that much, but I'm a firm believer that, you know, it's the thermodynamics of that bourbon moving in and out of the wood. And if you don't get the change over in temperatures, you're not going to get that happen. Does the outside of the rickhouse matter? Like, you know, some have stone or brick or, you know, the aluminum, aluminum siding, siding or, or wood whatever siding, is. whatever it is. I'm sure to some extent it does. Um, or why would you pick one over the other? Now, some would be aesthetics. You know, if somebody wants something to look one way or another. Um, again, for simplicity, it gets down to thermodynamics, you know. And if one thing's getting more, um, keeping that heat transfer, it's not going to age quite, it's going to age differently, not as as fast. 
Um, some people do heat the warehouses and they try to cycle, you know, that through. Um, you know, I've seen this way before my time. You can maybe see here in uh, Barstown, Heaven Hill had some warehouses where they tried to heat them. I hear you get a lot more angel share loss when you do that. So, I mean, it's what I've heard. But so some people do try to do that. But um, yeah, Brown, Brown Foreman's pretty well known for basically doing the the. The heat cycling their warehouses. Too. Yeah, they, I think they went more to these pallet houses with uh, with heat cycling. I'm I, I'm just only speculating because we haven't really built those that um you know I've heard mm-hmm. kind of. Have you got any orders from them? Well, <laughs> say well, we've been, we've worked for them, but I've heard you know I think they're one of the ones that you know we don't want to risk anyone you know getting the finger hurt, so we're going to palletize these and we're going to heat and cool them. But um, to me, I mean. The natural Kentucky weather, I mean, that's yeah. not really going the extreme you know, highs and green. You're going to pay to do that, and, and you're going to have more losses. And, I mean, I've never hardly heard anyone getting – I mean, the worst they hurt a finger rolling a barrel. I mean, you can get – I can hurt my finger, you know, designing <laughs> a building jack. with – I can uh, do a, a jumping jack after that. I've done it hanging a picture. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, not to be callous or all anything, but that's that's is one thing I've heard through the industry. But um, – so you, you've talked a little bit about the pros and cons of, of your system versus palletize. I, and I kind of want to uh, just touch on that a little bit more. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus Magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com bourbon, all lowercase. And go to shopify.com bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today, shopify.com slash bourbon. You've talked a little bit about the pros and cons of, of your system versus palletize. I, and I kind of want to uh, just touch on that a little bit more. You know, does it, is it more economical to go palletize? It is. Is it, uh, okay, so that was an easy one, right? <laughs> uh, just because it's just less wood involved, less space, just less construction, because it really is. It's just like this um, very sturdy pallet. They just keep stacking barrels on top of vertically, right? That's right. And, you know, and I haven't you know, obviously ran the numbers like I would if I was a distiller, uh, the actual building itself is much cheaper just to build an empty box, 
pre-engineered building. I mean, they build them every day. Whereas a rick house, if you see the labor force I have, I'll have 40 people or more out there building these things and the amount of wood. I mean, there's like a, a million board feet of wood to go into some of these things. And it's just, it's an operation to build these. Um, but once a rickhouse is built, as long as you keep it dry, that thing is going to operate, you know, like it's supposed to forever. A pallet house, you do have to, if you do like life cycle costs, you got to rebuy these pallets every so often. And there's a lot of expensive equipment you have to have to be able to lift these barrels and that kind of thing. And then also, uh, I've always heard you get a lot more losses, uh, as I mentioned earlier, with a pallet house. Yeah, does it, does it age any different since it's vertical versus to the side? Well, I... I I've heard from different distillers that they think it ages quite a bit different. And again, I think it all gets down to the thermodynamics. I mean, a pallet house is usually only, I'm trying to think how tall they are, roughly 20 feet, 25 feet or something like that. Whereas a rickhouse gets up to, you know, almost 60 feet. And if you ever go into a pallet house, they stack these things in there like, you know, tight. Mm -hmm. You can't get the airflow to let the thermodynamics. Now, again, they try to get... You know, they call them the big-ass fans or something or equivalent of that. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, like I said, Brown and Foreman's trying to heat and cool them. So they're trying to, to do that. To but, replicate I mean, it, but you're trying yeah. to replicate Mother Nature. and It's like I, irrigation. You know, it never quite works as good as rain. <laughs> <laughs> That's my opinion. But, again, you're talking to someone that, that, that builds rick houses. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so talk about your system. You had mentioned elevators and stuff like that. Your system of actually being able to, like, say, move barrels around. So, like, how does that process work? Like, in a palletized warehouse, it makes sense, right? You get the forklift, you pick them up, you move them over, right? Uh, but this, and not only that, I think you have to give the credit where credit is due. When you look at your system and you look at it and you walk in there, like it's it's a work of art, like it's craftsmanship yeah. <laughs> when you look at it, right? And, and, and so this is the other way I kind of want to see is like when you need to move a barrel, like it's just somewhere like in like, I don't know, row s bay two wherever i don't know how the how the numbering system mm -hmm. goes but like how do you how do you pull a barrel out of the middle there to go and dump it or anything like that like how how do you move stuff around well on a rick house and that is uh, i would one advantage of a rick house is you can get access to your barrels a lot easier you put them into a, a pallet house they stack them in there and if you want to get that barrel in the back corner you gotta unload a whole lot of barrels just to get that one in a rickhouse you would only have to unload i think our biggest rick houses we're building maybe 25 barrels in a run now, one distiller has actually, you can access the barrels from both sides of the rick. Most distillers only want to do it from the center aisle. So, you know, they'll just go and there's a lot of them gone to these RFD tags, I think they're called, where, you know, mm -hmm. they've got them computerizing, know exactly where that barrel is. And they'll get machines, it's called like a ricking machine or a jerry hoist. They can raise that 550 pound barrel up. It's about, I don't know, four feet or whatever to get to that top rick on a floor. And uh, they'll just, you know, get that barrel down and we put little uh, boards on the ground where the barrel rolls so you don't really have to touch it too much. And in a rick house, you just go maybe unload, you know, up to 20 barrels and get the one you want. So um, you just kind of rolling those barrels around like they're designed to do. You, you talked about maintenance a lot already. Give an idea of what sort of maintenance actually goes into a rick house, like once it's there, because the, I mean, you, you've mentioned before that some of them have collapsed over time because of, you know, not taking care of weather patterns or stuff like that. And I'm, I'm assuming these are built to last for a long, long time, right? <laughs> oh, if they stay dry, I mean, I know of rickhouses that are, you know, over 100 years old. Um, so uh, you, the main thing is water. Water causes problems yeah. in about anything. So <laughs> about any, dry, any, anything with the word house and yeah. water is yeah. just always it's, bad news, It's right? not good news. So you keep them dry, they'll last. Um Maintenance-wise, I mean, you've got like the plumb bobs we talked about. You kind of want to make sure the building's staying fairly true. 
um, keeping a roof on it. And one thing that most of the distillers do do, and they are on different uh, schedules, is you want to get that um, the thermodynamics again. So, like, we install windows that are uh, they open and close. So they'll generally, like, during part of the year, they open the windows, and some may open the bottom and top windows. Some open all the windows. Again, they all can stand to theory on how much airflow you want or how you want it to flow. And then they'll close the windows to hold, you know, the heat in at certain times of the year, different things. So that's that's kind of a maintenance issue there is opening and closing the windows to make the magic work in the rick house. Um, I'm trying to think what else maintenance they might do. Will there be a future of like smart rick houses with like a nest or you know something like you get the temperature you <laughs> open a, the windows automatic question, you know yeah. like what do you think the future like I mean rick houses like you said been a hundred years what I guess what's next what's next for them you know uh, I mean everybody's always looking to cut labor costs so uh, you know they do make uh, what's called escalators now that kind of it's basically a vertical escalator like you would see at the airport where you roll the barrel on, it takes it up and, and down. It's faster and it can move it. You could probably even actually design that to be mobile to where it would go up and roll into it. So you could probably even today design a rickhouse to 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 be where the barrel would almost get out automatically. But, I mean, the cost associated with that would be extreme. I don't know that the payback would ever be there. Um, for the most – again, bourbon's kind of – there's been a lot of people who've been trying to artificially age bourbon now, you know, doing like by sound or whatever, and it's just hard to beat Mother Nature. You know, it's kind of bourbon's one of those things that they've been doing it since 1780, trying to, def- trying to defy it. Yeah, and, they and can't. you know, these people back in the day making bourbon were not dumbasses. I mean, <laughs> they kind of knew what they were doing, and you know, everybody thinks everybody's smarter today. We do have the technology, but I think, in my opinion, bourbon's one of them things that it's best to. Uh, yeah, it's and don't I'm sure people will keep trying, but yeah, it's gonna be hard to to beat the way it's been done for over two hundred years now. Yeah. So what kind of manpower is involved, right? I mean, when you when you start a project, you bid it, you win, and from the day one of uh you know, either I'm assuming you pour foundations, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you pour the foundation and then you get to the point of actually constructing. So how how many people are involved? What what goes in the process and, and how much materials? Yeah. That's what I was interested in. Yeah. Well, um, like any project, I mean you gotta do your engineering up front. Um, you know, we've built a lot of these rick houses the same way, you know. Kevin's design is carried over to whatever size. You'll have to get your soil tested, your site work done. You got to pour your concrete. You got to have all that tested, your rebar. And then we start going up with the wood. Most of the wood, a lot of it's sourced locally in central Kentucky. Uh, some of it's pine from uh, down south. So you got to, you know, you got to order all your materials. You got, you know, I got office people that take care of all that. Um, and then it takes, there's about 40 people in a big warehouse, even a small one. You know, we say small now is 20,000 barrels, but that takes about 20, 20 people on that. And uh, then we go and put the sheet metal or whatever cladding on it. And um, it's, it's a, I mean, from start to finish, you look at how many different people touch touch that thing from the electricians to uh, the hoist operators. I mean, there's probably over 100 people in each house that have something to do with each warehouse. And as far as uh, your question on material, I mean, like on these big ones, there's over a million board feet of lumber. There's, you know, don't hold me to these numbers, but there's probably 20,000 bolts that go into it. Probably, I don't know how many nails, 100,000 nails that go into it. I mean, um, it's it's a lot of material. What does one of these cost, if you can share, or if you can say? <laughs> They're... Um, it's it's over a hundred dollars per barrel space typically, and if you go if you go smaller, it gets quite a bit up from there. You know, it's actually you know 
probably $110 a barrel. It's another reason why you, more. I, I just see it like impossible to get in the bourbon game. <laughs> like not only you got to make products sit on for six years, you got to build these warehouses and all that. It's like crazy. The, the costs that are associated with it. Absolutely. So when you are building it, like what's the sustained weight? Like how deep you have to go to pour a foundation to be able to know that if, if each one of these barrels is 500, 550 pounds, and we're going to have 30,000 barrels in here, like where, where do you, where's that math? Like, how do you, how do you try to figure Calculus out? class. Yeah. The TI-83. <laughs> <laughs> I was just playing the snake games back yeah. then. <laughs> yeah, it gets back to my engineering. I mean, it's the same kind of engineering you do on any building. It's just on a bigger scale. And you just size your foundations to distribute your load. And you got to have the right soil compacted and, you know, to, that it can handle that load. One thing I guess I, I did, we do want to hit on for um, kind of how a building goes. You got to get your building permits and, I want to give kudos to uh, the state building code on that. Back when we first started building these back in 1991, um, you know, the state building code is based on like an international building code. And quite frankly, nobody around the world that I'm aware of builds these warehouses like we do in Kentucky. Um, so the, the state was like, man, what is this? This doesn't fit our building code. So we would have to ask a lot of variances and we had to go down there and work through with them. And they, they let us build them. But when we started booming like this, we actually worked with beans and the Kentucky Distillers Association and all of them went to the state and actually got a whole section of the building code written to allow the construction of such a massive wooden high hazard building. And, uh, you know, kudos to the state for, I guess, helping uh the bourbon industry you know without them letting them build that it would be much more difficult yeah you had mentioned during the, the building process in itself you said we have to get electricians in here and ryan and i we did a an episode actually at wild turkey inside in inside of a rick house and it was a pain in the butt to even figure out where can we even <laughs> find a, an electrical outlet right so because you can't have much electricity around. Yeah, I mean, let's let's get it right. Yeah, these are these are pretty much like unmanned locations, right? You don't want a whole lot of just uh, you know, yeah, electric circuits running around. So what what's the idea of of not because apparently people had even said that a lot of times electricity is even retrofitted in these buildings because they are so old. Is that is that true or false? I'd say some of the older ones that's probably true. I mean, like I said, some's been around for over a hundred years. Now, I myself have not familiar with. That happened. I'm sure it's happened. I mean, with these ricking machines that you got to have to get that barrel up four feet, I mean, you can't imagine living five or 50 pounds yeah. in four feet. Back in the day, I think they used to have a ramp and some big guy would throw <laughs> a thing up there. But now they got, you got to be able to plug that machine in. Um, the way we design them now, um, you know, we got to have class one, division two rated electronics in there. Alcohol vapors, you know, obviously can have problems around electronics and they, they settle. So if you're, so far above the barrels, you don't really have to have that. But most of the electronics in there are all rated electronics, you know, your ricking plugs, your lights, and things like that. Yeah, I always I always find it interesting that like when you when you look at the lighting in there, they're just they're just regular like A19 bulbs that are sitting around there. You don't have like these these big shop lights where everything's nice and lit up for you, right? So what's the idea of, of kind of having a, a minimalistic just lighting inside of these things? One is um probably uh, for not have, trying to have too much electronics. Another is the way we design these, we line the, the windows up with the catwalks, so mm -hmm. the lighting goes through there. Um, back in the day, I don't know if it's so much this way anymore, they used to always work in the rickhouse in the summer or during daylight hours. So, you know, the light would come in through the windows and uh, you'd be able to see. Now, some people put lights on every floor. Um, some people a lot. Some people don't. They just put lights on one floor. A lot of times, people wear little uh, you know lights on their on their head. 
Um, I th- and another would be, you know, for not lighting it up, you know, like an office building would probably just be, again, cost because, you know, and, and I, this is, again, one reason I think the state let us build these warehouses so big here is that, you know, these warehouses, you go put your barrels in here. So you're working crazy inside of them for maybe a month. But after that, you lock the door and you maybe come back in, what, four or six years, mm-hmm. nobody's yeah. in there. Mm-hmm. So why do I want to spend a whole lot of money on lighting when it's just sitting there not being used? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, sense. that even kind of almost answered my next question because I was thinking like, uh, what other amenities do people <laughs> ask for, right? Like, I don't know if it's like running water or anything like that. Is like, there is anything like that's kind of crazy, like off the wall that people ask to have and, you know, installed in their rick houses? Mini fridge. <laughs> yeah. Well, with uh, bourbon tourism blowing up, um, we've recently done some work on uh, Barstown Bourbon and Luxro in particular. Um, you know, I know other distillers are taking people through. Uh, we've we've worked on you know beams and makers taking tours through these warehouses. Uh, I gotta say the the two the what people are asking for now though is getting even each person is wanting to go more elaborate what you're wanting to do in these warehouses and it gets kind of tricky from a building code's perspective because these are high hazard buildings with a lot of liquid in them <laughs> flammable and, liquid. Yeah, <laughs> by by getting you know off the wall, are we talking like Buffalo Traces where they want the the roof to be able to. Uh, basically come retract. off, retract, and come back on. Like, how, how crazy are they talking here? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, they would, everybody would like to push the envelope to outdo everybody. Is, <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think you're going to start seeing even more of that as this bourbon tourism catches on. Uh, a lot of it's just centered around, you know, the tourists wanting to come in there, and you've probably been to Maker's Marks where you're sitting in there tasting inside of the Rick, right beside that Rick house where you got the glass there and that kind of thing. So they're just kind of, I guess, maybe copying that idea and taking it as far as they can. I was about to say, I was like, is there ever like a, a Friday afternoon brainstorm session where you guys just have a drink and you're like, all right, let's we need some off the wall ideas. We can go and pitch to these companies and see who's going to bite, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we usually let the owner come to us and say what, <laughs> what they're looking for and we'll kind of challenge them and see what, you know, what we can do and that kind of thing. But it's going to get to a point where the building officials, as good as I was giving them some props for trying to help the industry, <laughs> at some point they're going to say, yeah, hey, you're kind of going a little you're too far. Yeah. So, uh, you know, kind of wrapping up a little bit towards the end here, but I kind of want to understand, you know, from from the very beginning to, to what it is now, it seems like it's been a pretty consistent process. Um, has the engineering process changed at all? Uh, is there a reason why that everything's still wood-based? You know, a lot of people like to go to steel beams in their own houses to, you know, it can support a lot of weight and all this other kind of stuff. So has, has the engineering process changed at all or those ideas ever came about? Yeah, I mean, we've looked at metal, building them out of metal before, but cost is a ramification there. And in fact, the metal, um, I guess the angel share or something, it'll start corroding the metal uh, more than it will. The wood will actually last longer than metal, believe it or not, even if you galvanize the metal. We've seen some older warehouses that the metal don't last as long. You know, somebody might think, well, man, you're putting a flammable liquid in there and a flammable, you know, in wood. That's not a good idea. When in actuality, I, I actually worked on the Heaven Hill after the Heaven Hill fire, and I saw where the metal, when it's loaded, if it heats up at all, it gets weak, and it'll just fold. Mm-hmm. Where a big, heavy timber like we use, it'll kind of char, but it'll keep its structural property. So really, the wood will stand longer than the metal. So um, so the, the big key that we're still doing it the same way is, is cost. Wood's just a whole lot less expensive. We have so much wood around here. Now, if you were out in another place where wood wasn't available, that might be a problem. But that, Now, I will say... Things that have changed, one would be uh, safety in the construction of these. Um, safety in construction over the last 15 years or so has really 
uh, a lot more than it used to be. I don't know if it's just being enforced more or whatever, but we've had to find ways to build these buildings much safer. You know, we've developed, you know, safety rails and we've got safety boards and, and all kinds of things to try to keep our employees safe. Uh, and also we are, we're installing things in these buildings now, like safety chains for, you know, you said when you were up in a warehouse, you felt, man, I'm going to fall through. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're putting stuff up now that when the barrels aren't there to keep you from falling through, that kind of limits any danger like that. So, you know, we're trying to make these as safe as possible. I think you guys should install like a zip line experience then. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be cool. <laughs> yeah. Get to smell the bourbon when you maybe take a little nip when you're going through. Or a big like fire pole that goes all the way down one side, you know, slide all the way down. Yeah. Like Ghostbusters. Yeah, that'd be, that would be fun. That would be fun. So, Don, I want to say thank you again yeah. for uh, joining the show today. I think we hit on a, a lot of good subjects here because this was something that I had honestly had no idea about, right? I mean, yeah, sure, I can swing a hammer and put some nails in a wall <laughs> and stuff like that, but, you know, understanding what it takes to stand one of these up, uh, the idea, a lot of the engineering, uh, the history behind it as well. It's been uh, really good. It's been really good. It's been awesome. Yeah, I've been a family friend of the Blinkos and Busics my whole life, and I really never no surprise do, there, right? You know, do <laughs> much about the you know the rickhouses and what goes into them, and so it was pretty cool to kind of finally pick your brain about it. So I appreciate you taking time. Well, you're welcome anytime, and uh, thank you all. And I'd like to say thank you. You know, we couldn't do what we do here at Busic without our awesome employees, without the partnerships with our distillers. I mean, hopefully they keep making fantastic bourbon and the industry keeps growing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just hope everybody keeps drinking bourbon because, you know, <laughs> I think you got jobs for a while. <laughs> it seems like it. Yeah. So if people do want to get in contact with you and learn more about your, uh, about your company, how can they do that? We have a website. Uh, you can probably Google music construction. I think it's teambusic.com and you can go there and our phone number is on there. And, uh, that's glad to answer any questions they have. And that's B U Z I C K, right? So if that's it, right. anybody that wants to uh, wants to look at it. So uh, Don, I want to say thank you again for coming on the show today. It was great. For if you do like the show, make sure you write a review on iTunes. Support us on Patreon, p a t r e o n dot com slash Bourbon Pursuit. Follow us on social media: Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bourbon Pursuit. And uh, make sure you fill out that audience survey. So go to bourbonpursuit.com slash survey so we can learn more about your, uh, you know, basically where he builds he builds all these <laughs> rick houses, rack houses, whatever you want to call them. And, uh, and you can understand, you know, we want to understand why you're buying the bourbon that you do. Yep. So we can sell it to you. Yeah. Or sell it to the sellers. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you have any show suggestions, feedback, comments, we love them. This was actually a show suggestion. I should have thought of this a long time ago, but one of our listeners said, hey, can you have somebody that builds rickhouses on? So it kind of gave us this idea. And I luckily knew the people, person to call. So uh, appreciate that. And, it, and uh, we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.